Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure today to welcome Pamela Laparolari to the show. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you very much for having me, Jeremy. Pamela is a digital marketing practice leader over at IBM. And I'm one of the reasons I'm delighted to talk to Pamela today is that she has actually been uh, at IBM over 30 years. So she can give us some unique perspective on, on what it's like to work for a absolutely jumbo enterprise, I guess, arguably the biggest tech company on the planet for many, many years running. Pamela, I'm going to start out asking you the same thing I ask all my guests because I love to find new books to read. I'd love to hear what is your favorite sales book of all time and why. And if it's not a sales book, that's okay too. We can we can go in a, a different direction. Yeah, you're right. There are tons of sales books out there that you know individuals are reading to advance and expand their knowledge and skills. But typically, I like some of the fiction books. I love books like um, The Help. I don't know if folks have read 32 Candles. It's a really cool book that's a takeoff of 16 Candles about an individual that has a very similar experience in 16 Candles. And so that was probably one of my favorite all-time books that I've read. Outstanding. Well, you know, again, uh, even though your title is digital marketing practice leader, uh, I love having people on who have deep sales expertise. And your title, I think, doesn't do justice to the fact that what you're a lot of what you're doing actually is sales enablement. And more to the point, that 30 plus years you spent at IBM really did have a major sales and selling component to it. I guess if you wind the clock back on, on, you know, your own career at IBM, at what point did you make the transition from, you know, sort of engineering and marketing over to the selling world? I actually started my career at IBM as a receptionist and working in the administration area of the business um, down in facilities and I became a class coordinator. And then there was a point in time in IBM where they really transitioned a lot of the employees into different roles. And so I made a decision that I needed to move out of administration. And so I took the path down the systems representative or the systems engineer role, which was really exciting because it really gave me an opportunity to work with a variety of clients, um, you know, on the large systems at that particular time. Doing that after a couple of years, IBM transitioned again, where we were actually beginning to embark into the services arena. And so I had a really neat opportunity to go through and, and travel quite a bit on the East Coast, upgrading one of our platform's operating systems from there. And so that kind of threw me into that services category, which was really a lot of fun. And then from there, I was like, okay, let's try something a little bit different. And that's when I really got an opportunity to get into marketing and take all of the knowledge that I had from sales and from the platform that I was deploying uh, to turn the corners on that, right? What does that look like from a marketing perspective? And so I actually began, you know, in a self center, working with the sellers to give them the tools, the knowledge base and everything that they needed to market that particular platform. I'm curious, by the way, just to hold you off, you know, how did you make that? Like, how did you get identified to, to make that move right from admin into into systems engineer? I mean, that is a non-trivial move. One of the things that I, I did and got a lot of help on is that I just began to network and talk with different people in the organization, right, to really understand, you know, my skill set, my ability to move into that type of role into the company. I had, you know, several one-off meetings and luncheons and things like that to get my name out there. 
I also began to prepare my mindset, you know, start to look at material related to the job role that I was interested in going into. And then after about six months, you know, had an interview and had the opportunity to move into that particular area. So educating myself on the the solution area that I was going to be going into, as well as beginning to network, talk with different people to understand the role and what I was going to be doing, speaking with executives, letting them know, you know, the aptitude and the skill that I had to do the role really helped me get to the next level. When I was hired um, with the business partner, when I became a marketing director, you know, I said, okay, it's time for a transition and a career change. And so what do I need to do? So, you know, I went to one of the community colleges and I started taking courses and I started learning and I started applying those things. And so when the time came, you know, I was prepared and I was ready for the next road. So we always want to prepare our minds and our spirits and understand the task we need to do in order to get there. So we're picking back up where you kind of left off career-wise. So that's circa late 90s. You moved into that marketing program manager role, which really had a heavy sales enablement component to it. As you reflect on the types of projects and programs that you were working on at that point, in what way was the buyer or the selling experience different than that it is now 20 years later? During that time period, the concept of digital sales or inside sales was just jumping off. There was still a, a huge focus on how do we develop and have a relationship with a customer over the phone. The phone was basically, okay, let's schedule the meeting, right? Let's schedule the lunching. But a lot of the communication was still over emails and more so face-to-face, where today we're not having face-to-face lunches with them as often as we thought we would. Uh, it is more of a email type of communication. is more social, you know, understanding who they are, what their business is all about, and getting those insights and data and perspectives so that you can engage with them on a, you know, for a legitimate business reason and things like that. You know, that's the key differentiator than what we used to do in the past. Have you found the ways of kind of enabling and training people have also evolved over that time? Well, when we look at enablement and training, I think one of the things that we've learned more than anything else is that everybody learns differently. So we have certain groups of individuals that learn more from a visual perspective, you know, show me a demo and I'll get it, right? You have individuals that like to watch videos to learn. Then you have individuals that like to look at a presentation to get the hints and tips or read an instruction manual. So I think nowadays when we do sales enablement, we want to make sure we consider all of the different ways an individual learns in order for us to be successful in those particular areas and be creative with it. You've got this incredible wealth of experience in seeing what gaps people come in with from a, either a soft skills perspective or a hard selling skills perspective. As you reflect on your experience in, in working with scores and scores of salespeople, where do you think the biggest gaps are for them in, in being successful as sellers? I think one of the things is understanding the buyer. The buyer today is very different than the buyer that we had when I was first coming up. Of course, you know, where the vendor pretty much had the control, but now the buyer has the control. Today, when we when we look at our new sellers that's coming in, they are exposed to so much more information and insights and ideas today. So when they come in, you know, there's this air of eagerness and excitement But because they haven't had that true sales experience, you want to hone those skills. I think we want to help them learn to listen more than talk. You know, how do we net out the information that we want to say, but be concise? 
We look at things, just the overall grammar of how sellers come in and they write and they communicate and things like that. I think those types of things that need to work on. You know, you see a lot of soft skills that I think we just take the time to hone, you know, and perfect and uh, make sure that we're channeling that energy in the right position to help them take charge. I'd love to double click on a few of the training concepts that you just referenced, because I think they're tricky ones. And the one I want to start with is actually listening. What are some of the techniques that you use to to train people to actually listen more actively? One of the things uh, that I've had opportunity to do is actually coach an intern on a sales call. And so what I like to do is I like to have a series of three calls before I have the final call to evaluate them. And then on the first call, what I like to do is just kind of understand, okay, which one of the scenarios you want to do and just kind of go through the initial call. And really the things that I identified is that they dumped all of this information, you know, in their mind. And it's almost like, I think I'm going to forget it. So I want to get it all out on the table right up front after the first or second question that I have or the first question that the individual actually asked me. What I do is I pull them back and just make sure that they understand that the goal of the call and the thing that you're trying to do is you want to have more of a consultative type of flair. You want to ask questions to really understand what the business need is and what that challenge is and what the sense of urgency is with the customer that you're talking to. And once you gather those pieces of information, now you can start beginning to pull together the information that you need in order to identify the right solution for them. I know when I do interviews that well, one of the things I ask sellers to do in my interviews, I said, you know, sell me this pen. And if they just kind of start talking about the pen, then I was like, hmm, we got a little work to do. But if they start asking me questions like, well, what kind of pen do you like? You know, do you have a preference for a certain color of pen? Do you like the pen to be thin or do you like it to be thick? So when you find that sellers begin to ask you questions, that means that they're expressing an interest in you. I really like the Dale Carnegie quote where it actually talks about, you know, when you're interested in other people, they'll become interested in you. And so the only way you can let people know that you're interested in them is, first of all, by asking questions that are relevant to them. And then the second part of it is actually listening to them, because what Dale Carnegie says is that, you know, one of the highest compliments you can pay to a person is by listening to them. The second thing you mentioned uh, after training was was grammar. And, and I've noticed this, too. I'm, you're the first person I've talked to who's who's brought this up, uh, I'm, in, I'm incredibly fr- surprised, frustrated, I don't know what the right emotion is, but by the, the lack of writing skills that, that like the new salespeople, uh, early career professionals actually, whether they're in sales or not, but early career professionals have, I don't actually consider myself that strong of a writer, that strong grammatically, and yet I look at what gets drafted sometimes and it blows my mind. So I'm, I'm glad you were observing the same thing. So I'm not just crazy. And, and then I'm curious, what do you, how do you rectify grammatical deficiencies for someone who has been in, you know, I mean, they were in school for at least whatever, 16 years, right? 12 years of, of, uh, of elementary school, middle school, high school, and then another four years of college. So how, how do you actually address that? When I'm working on email personalization and writing and things like that, you know, we really work with our sellers on how do you write a very concise, net email message to somebody. And part of the enablement workshop consisted of bringing your emails 
And if it was more than 50 words, you know, how do you get it down? And what a lot of the sellers discovered is that it was just a lot of unnecessary words, you know, in their communication. And they were able to, to trim those words out and to net out the information that they were putting out there. And it's just a matter of slowing down, reading your information out loud, and then, you know, going in and using some basic tools to help, you know, correct your grammar. What do you think is the connection between like, data privacy and personalization? Like what are the boundaries that you coach your people that, that they cannot cross? Yeah, when it comes to personalization, it's very important that they focus on, first and foremost, what the legitimate business interest is really all about, right? So, you know, as you are crafting your email communication or you're modifying email communication, how does their job role, their industry, something that they're doing in their company actually relate to the solution that you're trying to sell to them, right? Was there a statement that they said on a podcast or a statement that they wrote you know, socially that ties back to your solution? Or did they post a piece of content that was relevant to your solution area where they kind of articulated or hinted that they're trying to solve a business problem or they're looking at a, you know, an initiative in their particular company, or even if they ask a question on a community, right? You know, you take that level of personalization based on what they actually said from their business perspective, and you map that to your solution and technology. Sometimes you'll see somebody personalize with some content that the person created or something about their company, but then there's no segue from that into the value proposition that they put forward. So it takes a little bit of practice, but it's a very learnable skill to, to build the segue from whatever you have drawn from what they're doing into what your value prop is. Segue, I love the term and the principle because you can segue basically almost from anything to anything. Yeah, absolutely. Even today, you know, we think about it in the social world and everybody talks about how sellers that engage in you social are more successful than their peers that do not. You know, it's very easy to take something that's, you know, a company recognition or congratulations to an individual and tie that into your communication individuals and people today, I mean, they're, they're posting information. But I think as sellers, we want to be very respectful about how we take that information and we use it to grab their attention or to spark their interest. You know, how we identify things that we have in common, you know, so that we can take that communication to another level. And what we may find is that we may have a very strong interest there, but when it comes to the solution, it doesn't fit, right? And then there are going to be times where, you know, we can take some of that information and weave it in all in there together based on your promotion. You may be interested in this type of technology. Let's grab and have a conversation and things like that and go from there. I'd like to wrap with one, one last thing I think that was embedded in some of the things we've talked about today, which is it's the concept of meta learning, right? Which is learning how to learn as industries are being transformed by technology, the people who work in those industries need to adapt. I even think about this for myself, that you know, I started out as a, as a semiconductor engineer, and I'm like five iterations away from that. As I look at you know, your background, you, know, you started out as an you know, administrative assistant, and then you know, moved into the systems engineering world, and, and on and on and on. Like, you are clearly somebody who has focused on learning how to learn. So what, what are like a few of your secrets about how you've learned to learn? You know, it's almost like, just do it. I've had the opportunity to 
um, I'm writing a book. And when you've never done something before, you know, you have to do your homework. So, you know, if you're going to write a book, first thing you have to think about is how do I begin? And so you begin by just writing and just putting everything in your thoughts on paper. And then so once you get everything in your thoughts on paper, you begin to kind of organize it and, and put it in its right flow. And then you have to go and edit it. And I'll tell you, editing was something that was huge. It was really big because, you know, when you write a certain way, improper grammar just, it'll just, like we talked about a little bit earlier, it will just slap people in the face, you know, people. And sometimes people say, well, they may not notice, but some people really do notice those different types of things. So you you go through the process and you learn, you know, I identified the tools that I needed in order to help me improve in those areas. And so then you start thinking about what the layout of the book is and what the cover design is going to book is. And I go straight to the internet. I go to the internet. I do my homework. I do my research. I learn everything I can about the process. It's a matter of just sitting down, doing your research. I noticed with my daughter, you know, it used to be, you know, you sit down with your kids and they'll ask a question and, you know, you either knew the answer as a parent or you didn't. Well, today you can just say, well, let's go to the Internet. With that, I mean, you're actually teaching them how to learn, right? Which is like when they have that question. A lot of us who've been on the web since its inception or for, you know, we're born as digital natives, like for us, it's very intuitive on how to conduct effective searches to find the right information, to understand what sources are valid and so on. But kids are learning that, right? I mean, they need to learn how to search efficiently. Well, if people, Pamela, want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? I would presume LinkedIn. Yes, I am on LinkedIn. So if they want to reach out to me, glad to get some feedback and response from them on LinkedIn. That'd be awesome. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.